Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Hey, we are in week two of our family series. Uh, If you missed last week, I talked about fighting for your family. Uh, We've got a podcast. You can go back and listen to that if you want to. But the truth is, is that life and relationships and marriage can be a fight sometimes. Can I get an amen, somebody? Not too loud, but yes, (laughs) there is a fight uh, involved. And so we're going to be talking through it. And y'all, let me set you at ease a little bit. There is no perfect family. All right, that is a myth. Okay, there is no perfect spouse. That is a myth. That, that is a fallacy. And I believe, honestly, it's one thing that the enemy wants to feed into our modern culture is there, there is this one person who can complete you. And it's a member of the opposite sex that you have to meet. But y'all, the truth is what we believe biblically is there is one person who can complete you and his name is Jesus. And that a marriage is two people who walk with Jesus and learn from him and change. Can I get a hello? An amen, somebody on that. Uh, we, ha- we have to change and we have to grow. And, and I personally believe, and what I wanna submit to you this morning is that the best place for a healthy marriage is two people who are submitted to the lordship of Jesus who are trying to grow and be on mission together. Amen? Um, and so if you're single in here and you're about to check out, don't check out. All right, this is a time to prepare for marriage, all right? Uh, any marriage in here that's like, man, we didn't prepare well enough, listen, they will exhort you to spend time now working on these things. And so uh, I, I was doing some research for this. Have you all ever a guy named John Wooden? John Wooden, who knows who John Wooden is? John Wooden is probably one of the greatest coaches uh, in history. He won 12 NCAA, sorry, 10 NCAA titles in 12 years. That, that's a lot better than even old Nick Saban, all right? Uh, he won seven in a row at the end of his tenure at uh, UCLA. And uh, what was interesting is the way that he started with his teams. What he would do is he would come in, and now these are like 30 of the best young basketball players uh, in the country, and they'd be like, man, I can't wait to, to, to learn from the, the Wizard of Westwood. That's what they called him. And they'd come in there in the locker room, like, what fundamentals is he going to teach me? How is he doing this? And he would come in and say, okay, everybody take off your shoes and your socks. And they're like, okay, this is a little weird, but I'll do it. And they'd all take off their shoes and socks, and so would he. And he would teach them how to put on their socks, form it around the toe, get your, your heel right uh, in, in, in the heel of the sock, then put your shoes on. And he would teach them how to do it so that they wouldn't get blisters, so that they wouldn't miss practices, because if they miss practices, they would not play. Well, he was teaching them fundamentals. And today we're going to talk about fundamentals in your marriage. Some of this stuff you're going to be like, oh my gosh, this is so elementary. But listen, I used some of this last night <laughs> in my marriage, okay? Uh, Callie and I were, were, were having a civil discussion on a few things. <laughs> And we had to use some of these tools. Y'all listen, we're, we're eight years into our marriage, or nine years. We're nine years, almost nine. I know how long we've been married. Uh, we're we're going to be celebrating. We're going out of town uh, next week. I'll be here preaching, then we're getting out of Dodge uh, next weekend. But, um, you know, we've had a lot of good years. There were some years there that really weren't so great. Uh, but, but the truth is, is that marriage is something that you have to fight for and you have to commit to. And so uh, for some of you guys in here, you're in a tough place in your marriage. You're, you're fighting in your marriage. Some of you guys, you feel like you're just roommates. 
Uh, some of you guys, you, 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 you want to get divorced or you've had moments where you're like, I married the wrong person. I didn't reach, meet my soulmate. Yo, I don't personally believe in that. The, the odds are just not great. If there's only one person you can marry and there's six, six billion people on the planet, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how that works out. But here's what I want you to know. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, God can redeem and restore your marriage. God can redeem and restore your life. Some of you guys, you got married, and the next thing you knew, you had four kids, and you barely know each other. Y'all, God can restore. God can bring that back together. And so today, we're going to look at a really popular scripture. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And we're in verses 21 through 33. And I'm in the New Living Translation. When you got it, say, I got it. Got it, got it. Is it on the screens behind me? Cheaters. Okay, here's what it says. It says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is head of the church. He's the savior of his body, the church. And as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husbands and everything. For husbands, this means to love your wives, just as Christ has loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church. Everybody say glorious church. I love that. Without a spot or a wrinkle or any other blemish, instead she would be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his body but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church and we're members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and each wife must respect her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. We're going to jump into it. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you are just immeasurably good. God, we thank you that you're immeasurably kind. And God, we thank you that you designed us, you designed our world, you designed our marriages, and God, you have a plan for us. And so, Holy Spirit, guide us, lead us into this plan. God, illuminate things for us this morning in our lives that we can take with us. And it's in the name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Rachel, I'll see you in a little bit. Not too terribly long. Everybody, give your hand. Give a, a little hand clap for Rachel. Thank you, Rach. She's got a fan club. Uh, Y'all, you know, something that, that I've been thinking about as I'm getting ready for this message is I, I feel like our, our world it has been trying to feed us an artificial view of what marriage is, right? If you get on social media, you see it, all right, everybody's got the perfect marriage but you. Everybody goes on vacations and doesn't fight except for you. <laughs> uh, even now saying that, that marriage and traditional family is outdated. And, you know, I can't get into all the facts. I did a bunch of research on this, but there's a few that, that I just want to submit to you that I, I want to show you guys this morning. Uh, number one, I'm talking about the way that God views relationships. Number one, uh, the early, a, earlier a couple starts having sex in a relationship, that's right, I said sex in church. <laughs> Sex in a relationship, the less likely that relationship is to last. 
Couples who cohabit, that's live together, because you know you got to test drive before you get together, right? Are more likely to get divorced in the first five years. They're more likely to get divorced than couples who don't cohabit. Look at this one. Two-thirds of marriages that say they're unhappy, if they stick together for five years, will then say that they're happy together. Isn't that interesting? Y'all, listen. Everyone has moments in their marriage where they're not happy, okay? Everybody, everybody, except for me and Callie. We've just been perpetual happiness. Uh, As I go through this, you're going to learn that that is not true. Um, Married people have more physical health, emotional health, and even wealth accrual. Marriages that stay together. Uh, Kids from traditional nuclear families are 300 times more likely to have good outcomes in life. And listen, I want to say a few things. One, there are a lot of different experiences to life in this room. Uh, there, there are a lot of things that you guys have walked through. Uh, life is complicated, amen? And so some of you guys, you hear those stats, and you're like, man, I, I've already messed that up. Listen, God redeems. Uh, God restores places that are broken. And so if you read through the book of Isaiah, it's just story after story of how God will restore. It even says in uh, Jeremiah 35 that, that God waters dry places. And so for you, if this is a dry place in your life, I want you to know I have faith for you that God can water and redeem and restore. You know, culture says that marriage is something to be feared. <laughs> if you look at like people's, uh, what, what are the new dating apps? What, what are people on? What are they? Yell them out. Nobody wants to say them. Hilarious. <laughs> Christian Mingle profile. It's like, <laughs> uh, you know, I want somebody who's not going to change me, somebody who's just going to let me be who I am, somebody who's going to unleash me. Listen, we all need to be changed. Relationships grow us. They sharpen us. But we're in a world where it's almost adversarial. It's like marriage. Oh, I'm going to be married, but don't think you're going to change me, right? I needed to change. I don't know about you guys. Our culture says marriage is something to be feared, but the facts and coincidentally, the scripture say that it's something to be treasured. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Y'all, listen, God wants you to have good relationships. However, we can't have, have what God desires without his plan to get it. Amen? Uh, if, we, if we want God's strength, we have to embrace God's standards. If we want God's strengths, we have to embrace God's standards. And I, I love that we did Man of Your Word this morning because I've got written in here that we actually have to believe that what he said is true. And, and what I want to submit to you this morning is, is what, whatever you come from, whatever you currently believe, I want you to open up your mind to maybe the, the, the way that God designed marriage to work. It is the best way for marriage to work. And, you know, I I believe a strong marriage is built on a lot of small things. Uh, I I came across a story a few years ago. Uh, There's something called the Salesforce uh, Transit Hub in San Francisco. And this hub was a 2.2 billion, everybody say billion, dollar project. And uh, they'd opened for about three months, and they noticed that underneath the parking deck uh, that there were, were fractures in the steel that what was holding up the parking deck. And so, of course, immediately they started shutting it down and they started digging into what 
has happened? Is it this extra stress load that they didn't foresee? Uh, what is the factor that caused this? And as they did the research, the engineers found that the place they purchased the steel had not forged it correctly. They had made a mistake in the manufacturing process and they filled this building with compromised steel so that when stress came, the steel began to fracture. Y'all, if we don't have the right fundamentals in our marriage, our marriages will fracture. If we don't focus on the fundamentals, we will end up with fractures in our lives. And so my question for you is, are there areas where, where maybe you've begun to see fractures in your life? Are, are, are there areas where maybe you've begun to see fractures in your marriage? You know, some of these things could go all the way back to family of origin. There's so many different things that, that we could get into. But what I want to focus on today is, is fundamentals. I want to focus on the steel beams of holding our marriages together. But remember, if we want God's strength, we have to what? Embrace his standards. He is the architect. One, one author said that God is the architect of human flourishing. Don't you love that? God's the architect of human flourishing. So what are the fundamentals? Okay, we're going to talk about a man's greatest need, and we're going to talk about a woman's greatest need. And I'm going to illustrate it with some personal stories from my life. <laughs> Very far back in the past, uh, last night, uh, <clears throat> Callie had gone away for a marriage retreat for two no, I'm still a little tired from what I'm about to tell you. Where were you? Uh, yeah, pastor's wives retreat. Callie went away on a pastor's wives retreat, and Georgia and I barely survived. I mean, just just barely made it. And uh, Saturday morning, she still had like five or six hours left, and I called her, and I was like, "You got to come home. Like, I'm gonna lose my mind. I can't do this. I need this is yesterday, okay." And she's like, are you serious? Like, you know, I can't believe you're asking me to do this. And so I called one of my pastors, and he talked me off the ledge, and he's like, dude, you can make it five more hours, okay? Uh, and I was like, yeah, you're, you're right. And so I texted her back, and I apologized. And so needless to say, there, there was a little tension <laughs> around this. And so we, we talked about some of it, and then, you know, we started talking about different plans, different ideas that she had. And uh, she, there, there was a little, can I say, maybe a little spice Maybe a little, little spice. Yeah, she's a little, my, my wife has a strong personality. And so uh, he, here's what had happened. When I asked her to come back, she felt unloved. She felt like I, I was not recognizing the one time a year where she got away to do something for her. And I'm like, I can't make it. <laughs> Get back here. You know, she, she felt unloved in that. And so as she communicated, I began to feel disrespected, right? And so we're planning, we're talking leadership on how these things are going to work out. Y'all listen, every man's greatest need is to be respected. Every woman's greatest need is to be loved. And so often the, 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 the big problems in your life, the big fights in your life come down to these two basic issues. And so for me, at some point in the fight, I had to say like, babe, I feel disrespected. <laughs> you know, that is a difficult thing. Men, how much do we love to admit when we have hurt feelings, right? We love to talk about, I'm not, my feelings aren't hurt. You did this, you know, and dumping back on. But the reality is y'all, so many of our issues in marriage come back down to these two basic things. Y'all husbands, we are called by God. Listen to me. This is difficult. We are called by God to unconditionally love our wives. Wives, 
You are called by God to unconditionally support your husband. I'm going to escalate. Husbands, we're called by God to unconditionally love and disrespectful wife. Wives, you are called to unconditionally respect an unloving husband. So how does this work out? We're, we're going to break it down into two sides. Men, we're going to start with us first. <laughs> Amen. How do we love our wives? Number one, communication. By communication, here's what I've learned. Communication is listening, okay? And listening is not just listening to the words that are spoken. It's listening to the things that are implied behind the words that are spoken, okay? They don't just want us to listen. They don't want us to just, like, make a, a, a chart of all the things that they said. That They want us to listen to how they're feeling, and they want us to validate those feelings. Uh, one of the things that I'm excellent at is, is keeping a log of what Callie actually said, and then when she tries to express to me what she means, I'm like, that's fine, but I just need to, you to admit that you said it wrong. And then I'm fine. We can move past it, right? Husbands, this is not how your wife wants to be loved. Take it from me, okay? Expert. It's not just what she says. It's how she feels. It's what she means. Last night, okay? Last night, <laughs> She didn't perfectly lay out her vision and her idea, in my mind, of what she wanted to try here at the church. She actually had a great idea of what she wanted to do, but I wanted to dig in and say, okay, you know, let's talk about exactly how this is going to play out. And she's like, I just want you to validate that my idea was good. And I'm like, no, I want to get into planning, you know, I'll, then I'll validate your idea, right? Wrong. <laughs> just validate and say, that's a good idea, babe. We're going to work on that. And it was a good idea, babe. We're going to work on that. Uh, all she wanted to do is be heard and validated. Guys, communication is so much of just listening. And here's God's grace on us. Women on average speak 20,000 words a day. Men on average speak 7,000 words a day so that we can be great listeners, okay? It's in God's design for us. 1 Peter 3, 7, in the same way, husbands must honor your wives, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Number two, so number one's communication. Number two, leadership. Ephesians 5, 23 through 26. For a husband is head of his wife as Christ is head of the church. He's, he is the savior of the body of the church. That's Jesus. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in what? Everything. For husbands, this means that you love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of the word. Men, we love to underline which part of this passage? Wives, submit <laughs> to your husbands. And we like to pass by the phrase that Christ gave up his life for the church. With authority comes responsibility, amen? I thought it'd be fun to do a little leadership teaching. You might, guys might have been wondering when this whiteboard's gonna come into play. We are here. Okay. Okay. So in leadership, you have two triangles. Yep. Here we go. And we're going to call this one brilliant. Can you guys give me a round of applause for my triangles? Okay. Thank you. Wow. I think I'm getting this right. Yeah, this is right. Spon 
possibilities. Did I spell it right? Wow. You've been leadershiped. Okay. Uh, Y'all can't see over there. Okay. So here's how this works. A lot of people think that when it comes to leadership, we all want to get up here, whereas we have tons of responsibilities, right? This is people that we look at in the world, like my pastor, Pastor Rick, or whoever you look at, and you're like, oh my gosh, they've got all this, this leadership. They can do whatever they want to do, right? Once I get there, I'm going to be able to do whatever I want to do. But, but here's the reality of life. The more your responsibilities go up, the more your rights go down. Okay, so when you have no responsibilities in your life, you can basically do whatever you want to do. <laughs> okay, but as your responsibilities in life go up, your rights go down at the same time. So, what does this mean, men? This means that for us as leaders in our home, we have to be the first to say, I'm sorry. If you, if you want to walk in the responsibility and the leadership that God's called you to, this means that. Uh, we've got to be the first to initiate. This means that we've got to be the first to sacrifice, the first to serve, the first to have self-control because God, listen, men, God has given you leadership within your home. And when he hits you, this is the highest responsibility of your life. This is one of the things that my pastor last night or yesterday morning said to me, I called Harry, I said, Harry, I'm freaking out, man. You know, like, George is not listening to me. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Uh, He said, Bronson, calm down, (laughs) relax. He said, your number one ministry is not to the church. It's to your wife and it's to your daughter. And I said, yes, sir, you're absolutely right. He said, be there with your daughter, love your wife. Don't make her feel bad about going away. Y'all listen, men, for us to walk in the leadership that God has for us, that means that you're going to have places in your life where you're going to have to lay down your rights so that you can lead well. You've got to be the first to say, I'm sorry. I'm going to say it again. First to say, I'm sorry. Y'all initiate. Let's initiate. Let's be the first to work hard. Let's be the first to discipline kids when, when, when we need to. Don't make your wife always be the disciplinarian. Listen, your wife needs and desires good leadership in her life. You know, one thing that it really means to lead, and we talked about this a little bit last week, wives love when you pray with them. I don't, I don't, I really don't quite understand it. And and I told you guys last week, like, I'll be the first, like, yeah, you need healing in your life. I'll bring you up and I'll pray for you. I'll pray for the church. But my wife's like, I don't feel well. Will you pray for me? I'm like, ah, did you take some medicine? You know, let's talk about whatever. I don't know why, but there's something in us. And y'all, some of it, I think, is probably the enemy trying to to move us away from healthy leadership in our homes. And so, guys, let's fight back that emotion to not want to be vulnerable. Prayer is vulnerability, right? It's saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. And so you're having to be vulnerable with your wife. When you do that, y'all, almost every wife that I talk to wants her husband to pray with them. So how do you pray? You just share your heart with God. You love your wife. You want good things for your wife. You want good things for your family. Share your heart with God. Ask him for those things. Ask him to give you vision for your marriage. You know, it's hard to be distant from somebody that you pray with. It's hard to be distant from somebody that you pray with. Uh, Number three, 
So we had leadership, we had, we had communication, leadership, and security. Uh, there, there's three basic types of security the way that I see it. There's financial security, there's emotional security, and there's relational uh, security. And so financial security, y'all, let's, let's be hard workers. Uh, let's be hard workers. I know that the world has changed a little bit, and some of you guys, you're like, my wife makes more money than me, okay? Like, I, I don't want to hear it. Y'all, work in such a way to where if she wants to stay back, she can. Work hard. Let her know, like, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to work hard. I'm, I'm going to work hard for you. I'm going to try to provide. First Timothy 5.8, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially members of his own household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever, <laughs> Isn't that brutal? <laughs> you denied the face worth, worse than an unbeliever. So let, let's, be hard, let's be hard workers. Let's find ways to provide. Emotional security. We talked about this a little bit. Let's be good listeners. Listen, if you don't listen to your wife, somebody else will. If you don't listen to your wife, somebody else will. When I went through premarital, one of the things that they said is that you've got to affair-proof your marriage. They said this is one of the things that we're trying to do. Husbands, listen to your wife. Talk to your wife so that she doesn't have to go and talk to somebody else. Emotional security, relational security. Be a safe place for ideas. Be a safe place for dreams. Y'all, in marriage, listen to me. Men, the enemy lies to your wife. And you've got to be somebody who affirms the truth in her. They, they need to be told they're beautiful. They need to be told that they're valuable. Your wife needs you to pursue her. She needs you to send her encouraging texts. Y'all, I'm not saying I aced it at this. I'm just saying this is what I found to be true. They need you to do romantic things, to be stability in the marriage. Amen? Men, we got a few, few things. Everybody, hopefully, you got a few notes that you can take. Uh, that is so loud. And I've, I've been waiting to point it out, but all that stuff was too serious. Can we turn it off? <laughs> yeah, I'll figure it out. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. I've just been over here in the back of my head. I'm like, man, what is that noise? And then at some point I realized, I'm like, hey, everybody put your hands together for Chris. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Oh, gosh. Oh, feeling a little hot tub. For, it's going to be hot, dude. <laughs> Oh, I just feel like it was like giving me anxiety, just this constant rumble over there. Okay, wives, you ready? Yeah, we needed a little joke, didn't we? Got it heavy. Uh, okay, number one, wives, how do you respect your husband? Number one, give support. Uh, a man naturally carries weight. Uh, some of us, you know, more than others in different situations that we go into. Uh, listen, there are some men in here, and you are a leader in every room you go into. That's heavy. That's difficult. At work, you're the boss. You're the leader. You come home to the kids. You're the leader. You put the kids down to bed. Now you're the leader with your wife. Y'all, wives, listen. God has called your husband to lead, and there is no stronger support in his life than your support. There is nobody's voice that means more to him than your voice. And listen, guys love to be tough, we love to say that we don't need encouragement, okay? We love to say that we don't need any of that stuff. Your husband needs your support. He needs you to affirm him verbally. He, he, he needs you to show those things. Ephesians 5.24 says, as the, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Let's talk about what submission is not first, okay? Submission is not passivity. 
Submission is not agreeing all the time. Submission is not inferiority. Submission is not living in fear. Submission is certainly not going against God's will. The Greek word here for submit is uh, hypotasso, which means hypo means to be under, but tasso means to place in order. Y'all, this, this Greek word is a passive voice. What does that mean? It's a voluntary attitude. It's not an obligation. It's a voluntary attitude. It's not an obligation. So how does this play out? Listen, when you get married and you say your vows, you're volunteering to place yourself under the leadership of your husband. So when you submit yourself to your husband, when you do submit, you're, you're honoring the Lord. You know, there's, there's a song uh, by Aretha Franklin. Aretha, uh, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. <laughs> uh, find out what it means to me. You know, that was originally written by Otis Redding. There's an office joke in there, but I can't quite grab it. I'm trying. What is it? He misspells it, that's right. Uh, <clears throat> R-A-S-B-C-T. Uh, anyway, originally it was written by and performed by Otis Redding. And if you listen to that song, it is a totally different song with a man's voice. He's crying for respect. It's actually sad if you go back and listen to it. He's crying for respect when he comes home. Wives, listen. Your husband needs to be respected by you. He needs to be lifted up by you. He needs to be uh, spoken to in positive ways. You know, Callie's support is huge for me. Listen, my wife is a strong leader. My wife is a strong woman. We talked about it earlier. God wired her that way. She's competent. She's articulate. She's creative. But she's also good at supporting me. I remember a few years back, we were looking at making a big move uh, to Hong Kong. I don't know if you remember this, but you said, I trust you. You said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you make the decision on this. I've given you input. I've told you what I think, but I, I'm going to trust you. Y'all, that was the most intimidating moment of my life where she's like, I trust you to make the decision on what we're going to do next. And you know what I did? I said, baby, I need your input. Let me know what you think. Wives, if you'll do that with your husbands, if you'll trust him on big stuff like that, I promise you he's going to ask for help. I promise you he's going to want to know what your opinion is. And listen, when, when, when she says that, hey, buddy, it's your call. Me and Georgia, we're in your hands. It's big weight. We ask what she thinks. So y'all listen, your man needs your support. If you're not supporting him, who is? You're not going to support your husband who is. There's a good chance there's nobody supporting him. Number two, seek contentment. Wives, seek contentment. Uh, Proverbs 21, 19, it's better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. <laughs> in a desert. It's like, I'd rather just be out here alone in the desert. <laughs> I got a sunburn, but it's not that bad, you know? <laughs> Listen, a nagging wife has never changed a man. I'm just telling you, we dig our heels in, we get more stubborn, it causes more fights. Listen, hopefully your, your husband has a relationship with God and a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Pray for your husband. Ask that the Holy Spirit would speak to him. Show him things. Sure, it doesn't mean that you just have to sit around and never talk about what you're upset about, but nagging him to death over issues isn't going to do it. You don't want to know what, one of the things that gets my butt in gear when Callie's asked me to do something and then she just does it herself. She's like out there trying to pick something heavy up or whatever. I feel like a loser because <laughs> she asked me to do it. And I'm like, you know, for a second, I'm like, I'm not going to go out there. And I'm watching her. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go out there and help, right? <laughs> 
nagging is not going to get you there. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to him because, listen, every man wants their wife to be happy. I'm telling you, your husband wants you to have the things that, that you want. He wants you to be content. Listen, guys have the burden you got that provider burden, and we take complaints personally. <laughs> Believe it or not, like when, when wives, you tell your husband, like, man, this isn't right or this isn't right, you may just be opening up, like we talked about earlier. Guys, we got to listen well. But also, he may be sitting there thinking, man, I'm failing. I'm failing in this marriage. I'm failing. And then he could start responding out of frustration. Just remember that as you talk about things you're not content about. Listen. When it's not good enough, your husband takes it personally. When you, when you need a bigger house, man, our house just isn't big enough. When you need nicer cars, better vacations, more clothes, bigger diamonds, whatever, I don't know, whatever your thing is, it's really hard for a man to handle because we love you. We want you to have everything that you, that you want. And so, God, ladies, just remember that as you're communicating on things, that puts a pressure on a husband. Here's how it plays out. You're talking about something you're just dreaming about, and all of a sudden he starts getting defensive. Oh, our, you know, our, our house is fine. You know, we don't need to move. And you're like, you're not letting me dream. And he's saying, I can't pay for that right now, right? Just remember, be content. That will help your husband. Number three. Give affirmation. We talked about that a lot, but Proverbs 21, or 10, 21 says, the lips of the righteous nourish many. Men care what you think, y'all. And I, I want to give you this. My, my pastor, he, he, he teaches us this. Public loyalty gives private leverage. Public loyalty gives private leverage. There is nothing more embarrassing to listen to than, than a wife just lay her husband bare in front of other people. Uh, it, it, it's difficult. Wives, use the sandwich method, okay? This is something that we do here. <laughs> so if, if you need to tell somebody something negative, again, this is something Pastor Rick taught us, give them an encouragement. Say, you know, husband, you're such a man. You know, I think you're, you're the man. You know, one, one thing I think you could maybe work on is taking out the trash. But man, I appreciate you in the way that you do things. You know, whatever. Sandwich the things that you need. Sandwich the criticisms, and you're going to get better results. Uh, a national study, and I'm going to kind of close around this idea, and then we're going to pray and take some time to worship and just ask the Holy Spirit where we can grow, where we can prepare more. But a national study took 400 men, <clears throat> and they were given the choice between two different negative experiences. Uh, one, they could be uh, alone and unloved in the world. Or number two, they could feel inadequate and disrespected by everyone. So they could be alone and unloved or be inadequate and disrespected, and 74% said that they would prefer to be left alone and unloved in the world than to feel disrespected. And so just remember, for your husband, that's a huge thing that he needs. It doesn't mean he doesn't need to be loved. He just needs to be respected more than he needs to be loved. Amen? And so, y'all, fundamentals, coming back, putting our socks, putting our shoes on. <laughs> Husbands, your wife needs to be loved. Listen to your wife. Hear from your wife. Bring security to your wife. Wives, your husband needs your respect. Speak positively to your husband. Affirm your husband. Be there for him. Be his biggest cheerleader. Amen. Amen. Y'all, the, the, the marriage in the Bible is just a metaphor between Christ and, and the church. And listen, the enemy is telling you guys all kinds of different things. Like, man, if I just had a better husband or if I just had a better wife, remember what we talked about in the beginning. 
There is no perfect spouse. <laughs> there is no one person who is going to complete you. A marriage is not made up of two incomplete people who became complete when they came together. No, a strong marriage is two people who are complete in Christ coming together to live missionally together. And so people in your marriages right now, that's something that I want you to remember. Be complete in Christ. That's where you find your ultimate security. That's where you find uh, your ultimate satisfaction. Single people, what you need to work on right now headed towards marriage is being content, being fulfilled in your relationship with Jesus. The best thing that you can do right now for your future spouse is be dependent on your relationship with the Lord. Believe the things that God says are true. Live by those things, and I'm telling you, you're gonna reap a reward of blessing and peace and favor in your life, amen. Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv.